when we started the company, we didn't imagine, oh, there'll be a huge global pandemic that shuts down retail. But all of a sudden there was. And the fact that people said, Thunkable is a tool that I can use to help me in this situation. That's the dream where we are able to create a product that empowers anyone to solve their own problem, big or small, whether or not we predicted it. They know what their problem is and they have the technology and the building blocks to solve it. Welcome to the second season of MIT Catalysts, a podcast series by the MIT Club of Northern California. Each episode, host Julia Yu interviews MIT alumni, faculty, and affiliates who are movers and shakers. I'm Irina, producer of the podcast. If you're just joining us, Julia and I launched MIT Catalysts in autumn of 2019. We kicked off our podcast by featuring San Francisco Bay Area MIT alumni and friends of MIT who are doing incredible things in the entrepreneurship space. But halfway into our first season, the COVID-19 pandemic struck. Suddenly, the world looked almost unrecognizable. And on top of the pandemic, the rest of 2020 proved to be a challenging year socially, economically, and politically. Looking back, if there's one thing 2020 has shown us, it's that we as a country, as a planet even, we have to be resilient. We can't go back to the pre-pandemic world as we knew it. We won't be living as usual. We won't be learning as usual, and we won't be working as usual. Now, this is a lot of change to grapple with. But there's hope. There's hope that the new future waiting for us will have positive changes to make all of our lives better. And as usual, MIT alumni and community members are at the forefront of adapting to and shaping this new future. So for this season, we're working to bring you their stories. We're highlighting human-focused ventures, startups that are helping consumers make better choices for both themselves and the planet, and pioneers who are working to create a better world not just through entrepreneurship, but also other means. And, as you'll hear, we're also expanding our geography beyond Northern California. But for this episode, our first of Season 2, we're featuring what I'll call a very energetic and dynamic duo. I'll let Julia take it from here. Today, we're excited to have not one, but two MIT catalysts, Amritha and Arun Saigal, who are not only both MIT alumni entrepreneurs, but also siblings. Amritha was my classmate from MIT who has founded startups focused around sustainability and women. She was course two mechanical engineering at MIT and has her MBA from Harvard Business School. She currently runs Kudos, which is the first and only sustainable disposable diaper brand made of 100% cotton. Arun was MIT class of 2013, course six electrical engineering, He's a co-founder and CEO of Thunkable, a Y Combinator-backed, no-code startup where anyone can build their own mobile app. Each of you is, is tackling a pretty unique space. Tell us in a few sentences what your company is all about. Arun, let's start with you. For those who don't know, what does Thunkable help its users do? Thunkable is a no-code tool for anyone to build their own native mobile apps. So if you don't know how to code and you have an idea, but you're a designer, an entrepreneur, a product manager, how do you get that app built? You use Thunkable. Great, thank you. And Amritha, can you sum up what Kudos Diapers is all about? Yes, we are a new direct-to-consumer sustainable baby diaper brand. And what differentiates us is that with Kudos Diapers, your baby is sitting in 100% clean cotton all day, um, as opposed to the majority of other diapers, even the most natural ones, your baby is sitting in 80 to 100% plastic all day. And what we found has been really good about cotton, in addition to the sustainability aspects of cotton, is that 
because of the breathability of it, it really helps to prevent diaper rash. That's amazing. When is the launch? If everything goes as we expect, um, we should be launching in April. Wonderful. We can't wait. Now, I've heard that both of your ventures came out of projects that you worked on at MIT. What was the origin story of your companies and what has motivated you? This actually started as my first company, which was called Sati Pads, which is uh, a direct-to-consumer brand in India making eco-friendly sanitary pads out of waste banana tree fiber, actually spun out of my senior design project at MIT in mechanical engineering, 2009. And how that all came about was during my junior year summer in college, I interned with Procter & Gamble as a design engineer for Always Pads. Fast forward to senior year fall, we were tasked to design a product that solves an emergency. And in many parts of rural India, there is complete lack of access to sanitary pads. Um, And so we developed the first fully biodegradable, compostable sanitary pad made out of waste banana tree fiber for women all over India. And I came back to the U.S., worked on a few other things, went to HBS, then worked at Google X for a few years, worked with Aruna Thunkable for a few years, which we can get into later. But about the time when I turned 30, all of my friends started having children. And I kept getting asked the question, can you do what you were doing with pads in India with diapers in the U.S.? And I was like, yes, we, we, we absolutely can. And believe it or not, diapers are the third largest contributor to landfill waste in the U.S. So really wanted to figure out how do you build a well-performing natural diaper where all the ingredients are sourced from sustainable materials rather than plastic, which is derived from fossil fuels. And Arun, how did you decide to start a company to focus on app development without code? My work on Thunkable actually started as an MIT research project called MIT App Inventor, where we were collaborating with Google to make a tool to make it really easy for anyone to build mobile apps. Before App Inventor, I had worked on MIT Scratch, which was a drag and drop tool to teach kids how to code. So the goal of my research and the research that my lab was focused on was how can we make it easy for anyone to build anything with software in the most generic sense. So in 2008, 2009, iOS had just come out, Android had just come out, And we were thinking and made a bet that mobile devices are going to be the future. And sure enough, if you fast forward now, you know, 12, 13 years, that is in fact the case. Everyone has a smartphone or or a large, large number of people do. But very, very few people know actually how to harness their power and how to build apps that are able to solve the problems that they have. And so we realized that everyone has such incredibly powerful computers in their pocket Wouldn't it be amazing if we could give everyone the superpower of being able to harness the computers to do what they needed to do to solve their problems? I want to push a little bit more on the why and the purpose behind your companies and potentially how the pandemic may have shaped the vision and the purpose behind your vision. So Amrita, starting with you, why should we care about sustainable diapers? (laughs) It's a very, very, very good question. Um, I think multiple reasons. Uh, One, like I said earlier, is that diapers are the third largest contributor to landfill waste, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, From the time of zero to potty trained, the average child in the U.S. goes through six to seven thousand diapers a year and and globally over one hundred and eighty billion diapers are used used each year. So so that that's one thing. 
the the other thing is it so it's one thing is like the end life and and all of those ending in the landfill the second thing is the sourcing of it um and currently all leading diaper brands the majority of the diapers all sourced from fossil fuel based uh materials and and that is not where we want to be. That is not where I want the world to be. That is not the way we want for the next generation. We want to be more sustainable. And so now if we can be sourcing all of the raw materials of our diaper from cotton, sugarcane, sustainably harvested trees, that is where we want to be going. We want to be reducing our dependence on on plastic-based materials. And I really think that we can, we can make a huge difference in this. And um, we want to try and start making a difference from day one of a child's life. Thank you, Amrita. And Arun, could you tell us why it's so important for there to be code-free tools for building apps? In the last 20 years, a lot of the, the growth in GDP, a lot of the real transformation that we've seen globally has come from technology and very specifically from software. And what's awesome about that is that it, there's there's a scale that's never been able to be had before with, with software. But one issue that exists is that the only problems to date that have gotten solved are problems that the software engineers have worked on. And, and if you think about that, what that means is that the only problems that have been solved with, with technology, with coding, are problems that software engineers have either had themselves and decided to fix or someone has been able to convince a software engineer and pay them enough to go fix. Which means that, for example, there are 10 different food delivery apps in San Francisco, yet the entire country of Yemen was lacking a solution to their energy crisis. And how did it get solved? It got solved because a gentleman by the name of Anwar said, wow, we are really struggling to manage our solar power. Uh, so the short story there is there, there's, there's been a civil war in Yemen, as many may know, since late 2014, early 2015. Uh, and one of the things that happened was people would take out uh, power sources because that's a, you know, a way to uh, cripple your opponents. And so there was a big movement to solar powers because there's obviously lots of sun in Yemen, etc. But no one knew how to manage their solar panels. So how do you tilt them during the day? How much energy is there? Will it be able to make it through the night? So like I said, this guy, Anwar, he decided, hey, what if I made an app that used the Bluetooth to talk to my solar panels, didn't know how to code, never written a line of code in his life, found Thunkable, built an app, and him and his family were able to use it. He launched it to the Play Store. Over half a million businesses and families have now used his app to help them manage their power. The Minister of Energy of Yemen gave him an award for helping alleviate Yemen's energy crisis. And nobody in Silicon Valley was working on this app because we weren't on the ground. This wasn't a problem we faced. So there are so many creative people. They are the people who should be empowered to build their solutions. Until date, it's not necessarily been the creatives who can actually create. It's in their name. If they're the creatives, they should be able to create. And Thunkable allows anyone with an idea and a passion to be able to build their future. That's amazing. One theme that comes up over and over again with entrepreneurs is uh, resilience, right? You need a lot of grit to get through and to push through your great idea into execution. Can you tell us a little bit more about perhaps some challenges you've had and how you've overcome them? I think everyone will agree. Um, this last 12 months have come with a lot of challenges for everyone in every company. 
and everyone's had to make a lot of changes. I mean, for us, our launch has been delayed by many months due to raw material shortages, manufacturing challenges. One of our suppliers, we had a significant portion of that company out with COVID, so they were not running their manufacturing lines to make us materials. That's been a huge challenge. Without being able to travel, especially when you're working on physical products, uh, we've never done in my entire career, we've never had to do virtual manufacturing runs, um, especially in different time zones, different languages. So learning how to navigate virtual manufacturing has been challenging, no doubt. But I think I think the end result post-COVID is that it's going to be a very good thing because we've learned how to do remote manufacturing and not having to be there and get on a plane every every time something is being made. So I think that's a huge, huge, huge positive thing. Personally, for us at Kudos, we are a small, mighty team of three people, all MIT, which which is always, uh, which has been really, really nice. Um, and what one of, I mean, one of the biggest things when COVID hit um, last March was that personally for me, um, me and Arun, our parents both got hit with COVID very hard. My mom thankfully recovered uh, very quickly at home, but my dad unfortunately had probably the most severe case of COVID that one could one could get. He was on a ventilator for 30 days. Um, on top of that, got pneumonia in the hospital, had kidney failure, so was on dialysis. And I obviously was not able to put 100% into work during that very difficult time. And the way my team really pulled through for me was willing to take on extra work, cover for meetings. Um, I, I'm just very thankful that I had such an understanding team. In very, very, very good news, um, with a lot of love and prayer from all of our friends and family, um, after 30 days on a ventilator, weeks in rehab, my dad is back to 100%, which, which we are all very thankful for. And I think just the other challenge of not being able to visit the hospital in person, get as many updates as you want with the hospitals being overwhelmed and everything was, was definitely a challenge. And I think just the support and love that everyone showed was just, was just uh, truly amazing and something that me and Arun are very, very, very thankful for. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we're so glad to hear that your dad has made the full recovery. And certainly, uh, you couldn't have foreseen running a company during a global pandemic. Now, Arun, can you tell us a little bit more about how the pandemic has impacted running Thunkable? Personally, first and foremost, our parents getting COVID. As Amrita said, even though we were at work every day, mentally it was tough to be there 100% of the time. And just like the Kudos team, the Thunkable team really pulled through and, and kind of doubled down and took care of the work that, that might fall through, which was, which was amazing and I was so thankful for. Other challenges, definitely hiring was one. We, we've always been an in-person team. We don't have remote employees. We have an office in San Francisco and an office in Dublin. And uh, prior to the pandemic, everyone was located in one of those two locations. And so to all of a sudden have to hire people who we've never met before and make sure we've made that personal connection and understood that, you know, the cultural fit is there and all that all over video conferencing was something that we had never done before. For the first few months, we said, hey, you know what, we'll just wait till we go back in person and eventually realize it's going to be a lot longer than we have time to wait for. And so we had to develop new processes and figure out how do we turn our whole process and operations into a remote first operation where it's always been an in-person operation? And I think that was a really interesting challenge for us 
Um, and then also just those personal connections, the serendipity of walking out, getting coffee together, and then having a, you know, a fascinating chat that maybe our backend engineer and user researcher wouldn't have had otherwise. How do you create those moments and kind of connections? Um, and I think in the early days, those were definitely a challenge. I think Q2 of last year was really trying to navigate that. I think the flip side, though, is it's made us come out um, much more nimble and much stronger, whereby all of a sudden now everything is remote first, which means that we've been able to hire people. We've hired someone in Vancouver, hired someone in Seattle, hired someone in Maryland, all places that we weren't looking to hire before, but now that have been opened up to us because we can hire anywhere because we're all remote. We've all of a sudden figured out ways to put into place the idea of, hey, you aren't going to have these serendipitous coffee runs, so let's make sure that there are spaces for people to be able to chat. Let's make sure that there are hangouts that are happening virtually that don't necessarily have an agenda that allow for that kind of flexibility and casualness. Let's make sure that we have lunch and dinner together on Zoom sometimes just so we can share a meal together. And these are these types of things that we put in. And I think even when we go back to you know a more normal world, these things that we put in place will allow us to scale and grow uh, a lot, a lot quicker and a lot better. There's just a number of things that before we didn't have to be intentional about, but now we've had to be really intentional about and have actually made everything that we do better. Thanks, Arun. And can you share a little bit more about your uh, your users and perhaps how they may have used Thunkable during the pandemic? Yeah, one of the things that I'm really proud about with Thunkable is the way we responded for our users. So many of our users are people who run small businesses. And many of our users were really hard hit because all of a sudden their in-person coffee shop or restaurant or doctor's office wasn't able to see the previous foot traffic that it did. And so one of the things that happened was people all of a sudden said, hey, we have to get creative and we need to figure out how to leverage technology to actually help us solve our problems. So we had so many COVID-related apps that came out to help people solve their own problems. So one example that I really loved is we have a user who has a small business. Uh, It's an in-person brick-and-mortar retail store. People come in, he runs it with a couple other people, and it all of a sudden had to shut its doors when the pandemic started. A few weeks in, he was allowed to open his doors again, but he was only allowed to have about 25% of the capacity of the facility, and he had to be able to track certain things at all times, like how many people were in the stores, were people able to keep their distance, what were certain things that were touched and cleaned and whatever to make sure that everything was continually sanitized, etc. And there was nothing at the time to do this. And so he, he, he used Thunkable to build an app to have these basic trackers and analytics and things like that in there. And with that app, confidently open his store and then be able to tell his staff and tell the other people who were concerned that they didn't have to worry about it because they had an app that could actually make sure that they were staying safe. And so he built this app, Customer Counter, and he even launched it to the app stores so that other people could use it. It's an amazing app. It was something that he built just in a few days and allowed him to reopen his business weeks earlier than he would have been able to otherwise, which directly translated into more business for him and more savings for him. And that was just one of the many examples of apps that came out during the pandemic that we are so proud to have seen. It's not something that's going to have a million users, but it is something that is letting a business reopen and letting multiple people get back on their feet. 
it must be pretty exhilarating to see the product that you've built used in ways that you've never imagined or anticipated, right? Absolutely. You know, and when we started the company, we didn't imagine, oh, there'll be a huge global pandemic that shuts down retail. But all of a sudden there was. And the fact that people said, Thunkable is a tool that I can use to help me in this situation. That's the dream where we are able to create a product that empowers anyone to solve their own problem, big or small, whether or not we predicted it. They know what their problem is and they have the technology and the building blocks to solve it. And that is such a good feeling. And, and it makes us confident that we're building the right thing for the future. We all know that people and talent, how important that is in order to realize the visions of your company. Could you tell us a little bit more about your guiding principles and philosophy when it comes to hiring and talent? My guiding principle is to hire people that are that are that I think are smarter than myself. I want to hire people that I feel like I can learn from where they can mentor me, they can teach me. That is the best thing I can do in hiring an employee. Yes, they may technically report to me, but in reality, we're we're all learning from each other. Um, they are pushing me to do better. I am pushing them to do better. They are experts in areas that I know very little about. And I think that's the way to push the boundaries of your company and be able to continuing to be on the cutting edge of innovation is if you can hire someone that you look up to, somebody that you can respect and someone that you think you can constantly learn from. And um, right now we're, we're, we're a team of three people. So I've hired two people and I can, I can confidently say that I have something new to learn from them both every single day. And how about you, Arun? I think Amrita said it all. And, and we're, we're a bigger company than, than she is, you know. And, and still, I think every time we hire, the question I ask is, in our interview process, did I learn something from this person? And do I believe that I could continue learning from them? And, and there's two reasons. One, it's because when I'm bringing someone on to do something, it's because we don't have enough bandwidth, we don't have enough talent on the team. And so I want to bring on someone even more talented and more knowledgeable to be able to lead it. The second thing is I need to be able to trust them. And if you are less good than I am, I'll always be questioning. But if you're better than me, if you're smarter than me, I'll confidently say, hey, let me trust you to do it because you know better than I do. You come to me when there are issues that you need an opinion on or a little bit of a higher level perspective on. But day to day, you should be able to be the owner. And when you are smarter than me, more capable than me, that's something that I can fully trust. And I think What's particularly uh, interesting at this moment is in the pandemic, you really have to be able to do that. You're not overhearing conversations by the water cooler. You're not necessarily having as much of that serendipity. And so you need to know when you turn off the camera and stand up and you guys go off and do your own thing, that the person that you brought on board to do the task is going to do it and going to do it better than you ever could have. And that's what allows me to not think about that task. I know that every one of our engineers is better than I am. Every one of our designers is better than I am. Every one of our user researchers can ask questions I would never think about. And that is what makes for a really strong organization. And that's something that as we've continued to grow, we've made sure that everyone who comes on, we can confidently say they've taught me something in the interview process. And going forward, I'm certain that I'll be able to learn a lot more from them. And I also I also want to add one point to that. It's you're probably thinking, oh, like everybody you hire needs to be at a more senior level. But no, I think that that's absolutely not the case. I think some of the best talent um, are people that are this might even be their first job, right? But they're bringing a new perspective. Like we've, we've been out of school for 10 plus years now, right? The new grads have a whole new way of looking at the world that I feel like there's so much to learn from them. 
While we're on the topic of people, I want to ask you, who inspires you? And this this can be anybody, personal or professional. Oh, this is this is always a tough one. Um, there there are so many answers here. I think personally, I think Arun, like I said, I actually worked at Thunkable for three years, and I think Arun is someone that constantly pushes me, always knows what I'm thinking, and we're able to kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and because we're both, we just happen to be siblings that are both entrepreneurs. Um, anytime like we have a question, like I think we are each other's first person that we go to, which is which is awesome. And and in and beyond that, like our our family, like um, our parents um, and my husband um, are all very very supportive and always interested in like hearing like what happened today what can we like help you um work through what are like can we like have a brainstorming session which has been like really nice so i feel like everyone in our family is very um very invested and cares a lot about and always wants to help that's that's amazing and from a celebrity famous person perspective i think my my uh my celebrity crush is definitely mindy Kaling. i've always admired her we're like soul sisters she just she just doesn't know it someday she will um but i'm just always impressed with how down to earth she is how funny she is how she feels just so relatable and that anything you put on her plate she will figure out how to get done and that that always uh uh yeah someday i i hope to meet her and and tell her how obsessed I am with her. <laughs> I love it. And uh, hopefully Mindy's listening to this podcast. Yeah, she does. Ha- she does have a newborn. There we go. <laughs> who made me diapers. <laughs> All right, Arun, can you tell us uh, who inspires you? There's so many, so many people I can think of, but a few to name, I think, as Amrita said, we've been very blessed to have a really close relationship and, and work together. She was the first person we asked to join the Thunkable team. Uh, and she, from day one, from from when I was very young un- until today, has always pushed me to be better, think bigger. Uh, even when it came to starting Thunkable, you know, quitting your job to go start a new company when you have no funding or anything is a big leap. And Amrita was certainly my biggest uh, supporter in pushing me to say, hey, you got to go do it. Now's the time. What are you waiting for? And if anything, she convinced me that, hey, I have to go do it. And and in retrospect, you know, that, that it was it was a no brainer. Uh, she's been such an incredible support for me and uh, along with our parents and, and my brother-in-law who have been very supportive and are super inspiring people in their own right. The next one is is my co-founder, Wei, uh, Wei Hua Li. He was also uh, at MIT. He was in uh, my lab with me also for undergrad and for our master's. And when time came to start the company, we realized, hey, it's no longer just a research project. It's got to go full time. The first person I called was Wei, and I said, hey, Wei, are you ready to do this? And he said, yep, I'll pack my bags. I'll fly out to San Francisco. He was still in Boston at the time. I'll see you there next week. Uh, and he's, he's quick to act as, as that shows, but even to date, he's always asking me, how can you do better, Arun? How can you lead better? Hey, this is something that the team needs. Are you providing it to that team? And he can be really critical and really motivational. And I think having someone who's able to be so honest with you um, and push you. And I mean, we've been doing this as a company together now over five years. And as a research project in some form, I've been working with him for a decade. And and to have somebody that still every day is able to, you know, cut through the BS and see what's most important and push me is really great. Uh, and then in terms of kind of larger people who I'm not personally connected to, um, I think the CEO of Adobe, Shantanu Narayan, I, I really admire what he's done. He's managed to be a, a relatively 
low-key guy. You don't hear about him in the news every day, but he's managed to take Adobe from a company that maybe you thought about less, heard about less, to really just have an incredible portfolio of tools that span so many different spaces. When you talk to creatives of any kind, they use some Adobe product, and I think it's it's amazing to see how how he's built the company up and how far their reach has gone. And so uh, that's someone as a CEO who I who I really admire. One question I have for you, Amrita, is being a female founder. You've now started two companies. Have there been any challenges you've experienced tackling your space as an entrepreneur? Good, good question. Um, I want to acknowledge that I think I've been very, very fortunate to only have um, positive experiences being a female founder. Um, I, in in terms of fundraising and interacting with investors and stuff, um, everything has been. I have nothing but positive things to say. I think one challenge or one like if I look at my entrepreneurship journey as a female founder versus Arun's um, entrepreneurship journey, the, the only thing that I feel is like a, is, is a big difference is that the number of my friends that I have that I'm close to that have started companies like other females um, that I either went to MIT undergrad with or um, went to HBS uh with them for business school is much fewer than the number of close friends Arun has from college or grad school that have gone to start companies. What I've seen is like when I want to ask somebody how they did that, I have fewer people to ask than than I've noticed Arun has. He he has like tons and tons of people versus I have a much smaller group of people. Um, I found that to be probably the biggest difference in terms of being a female founder, that my network of other female founders is smaller than Arun's network of other male founders that are his friends his age. So so I would say th- that's been the, the only difference, but I think the number's increasing. Um, every year you're starting and seeing more and more people, which is which is great. And I think it's always difficult. Um, I don't think that's ever gonna change, but I do think the resources, the support and the network is is growing for everyone. And I hope that that, that continues to grow. And, and I'm always trying to help um, other female founders in any way I can, um, just because I know how difficult the journey can be. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being part of the change, Amrita. You are trailblazing, and I'm sure you are inspiring many, many people out there. All right. So we close most of our episodes uh, with the question, what is your startup secret sauce? So we'll start with you, Arun. What is your startup secret sauce? That is a great question. There are a couple answers, but one I'll highlight is listening to our users, always listening and talking to our users. I think one thing that's really important is making sure that you're hearing your users and hearing what their needs are and recognizing that those needs change from day to day, week to week, year to year. Um, one of the things that from day one we've done is uh, is have many channels that our users can communicate with us, whether it's over email, over Facebook Messenger, over a chat bubble on our website or on our community forum, which is the place that the most of them uh, are actually hanging out and chatting with each other. Um, we've always made it really easy to to talk to the Thunkable team. Uh, and in fact, every week I'm probably on at least one or two uh, direct calls with our users and our user research team. And we've also really spent a lot of time building that in-house. So it's not a third-party team. When you write in, you don't have someone who's outsourced responding to your questions. It's 
members of our team, including myself and my co-founder, who are responding to community forum posts, who are responding to chat messages, because without actually listening to what your users are saying, you won't be able to identify where they need your product to go. That's something that's been in place from day one and something that we still make sure we do very regularly and that's core to anything, whether it's building a new product, getting insight in advance, or once we've built a prototype, actually getting feedback on it, so on and so forth. Um, it all really has come from the beginning of the company till date. It's all been uh, driven by listening to our users. Great. Thank you, Arun. And how about you, Amrita? I think for, for me, I think the biggest thing, especially when working on physical products and consumer products is never being complacent, um, never thinking like, like we're about to launch our product and go to market in April of 2021, but we're already starting to think about what are all the things we want to do on version two. Um, so it's like always getting ahead of where can we continue to do materials innovation? Where can we continue to do R&D innovation? Um, what, what can we do differently on packaging, right? There's so many things that like, yes, things work, they work great, there's no problem, but the way you're gonna continue to, to always stay ahead is by always thinking two steps ahead and not waiting for, to kind of be proactive rather than reactive. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and continuing, like, even if you think you have a material that works really well, is there something better out there? Is there a different supply chain? Is there, um, is there something else we can be doing to make it even better? And not, and also just kind of always take a step back and think like outside of a box, like how can we think about the products we use in like, in a different way, what can be done completely differently um, is where where we like to, is something that I really like and like making sure you set aside that time every week or every month or every quarter to be able to continue having those discussions, I think is is very, very important to make sure that um, you're, you're always on the cutting edge. Wonderful, thank you so much both. And Arun, you know, rumor on the street is that you uh, do a little bit of beatboxing I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask if you had any closing beats for us. Uh, thanks for asking. I wasn't uh, quite expecting uh, to to beatbox and freestyle in the moment, but uh, but sure, we'll give a give a little something. Here we go. The MIT Catalyst has come to be one of the many prides of MIT. The interviews have been super amazing. Dare I go so far as to call them trailblazing? We got Thunkable here making no-code apps. Kudos makes diapers, which makes for better naps. And all these items makes for great wraps. Julia and Irina, thanks for the chance to share something with you. Enjoy the last dance. Thank you so much for tuning in to the MIT Catalysts. This episode was hosted by Julia Yu and produced by me, Irina Huang. Special thanks to our guests, Amrita and Arun Saigal, for taking the time to chat with us twice. Thanks also to the MIT Club of Northern California, which sponsors this podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you like the show, please share widely with your friends and family, or even leave us a review. You can also send us feedback and guest recommendations at podcasts at mitcnc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at M-I-T-C-N-C dot O-R-G. Until next time, we're the MIT Catalysts.